0: This, this psalm we're going to look at talks about our, our uh, mourning being turned into dancing. Uh, it's Psalm 30. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. And would you open to Psalm 30 with me? We are in this series called The Open Soul. And if you need a Bible, we have some for you. We pass to you. Just raise your hand. And this uh, particular psalm is on page 395 in that Bible that we hand out, Psalm uh, 30, page 395. This series, The Open Soul, uh, is really about uh, our coming to know God, and one of the things that, that uh, is important in that process is that we open ourselves to God. We can't come to God and know Him unless we open ourselves to Him, and what we see in the Psalms over and over again is that the people of God, uh, in, in powerful, transparent ways, opened, they revealed their soul to the community, and to God. And it was in that process that God was able to intervene and make change in their lives. And so we've been encouraging uh, each other in our home groups and in our study on Sunday morning to open our soul to God, to take that risk, to step out, and to be transparent before God, to acknowledge our weakness and our struggles and our pains so that the redemptive power of the gospel might enter in and bring healing and transformation uh, in those places. I'm going to read through this psalm and then I want to just make a few points about it. Uh, last week uh, we talked to us about uh, indignation and anger and bitterness and all this. It's a very different psalm this week. Uh, we're talking about thanksgiving ultimately here uh, as we go through this and this is one of the psalms of thanksgiving. Uh, if you 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 categorize all the different psalms. One of the major categories is this idea of the psalm of thanksgiving. And so I wanted to make sure in this series we looked at at least one of them. And that's what we're going to do here this morning. Psalm 30, a psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. We don't know for sure Uh, If this was the actual dedication of the temple, or the word is a little ambiguous, it could refer to his house. David wasn't actually there for the dedication of the temple. It happened afterwards, after his death. And so this may have been something that he wrote for that event, or it may have been something that was more for the dedication of his particular house. Um, But what we do know is that he was in a low point, he was in in a point of struggle, and God brought him through and made this moment possible. And that's the genesis of his thanksgiving that we're going to explore this morning. Verse 1, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. The word is like being drawn up out of a well that you're trapped in, you, you can't get out of. You've drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. So many of the Psalms talk about David and his foes, and there's direct confrontation there. We've looked at a number of them in our series. This particular one is more about David and his a sickness It seems like a physical ailment that he has. And the reason um, that, that his foes would rejoice over him as a result of this physical ailment is that in that day, uh, a physical ailment like that was seen as a judgment of God upon the person. Um, and, and so they would, have, they would have viewed it that way. And so they would have rejoiced, his foes would have rejoiced in God's judgment upon him. And I'll say a little bit more about that later. Verse 2, O Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me o oh Lord, you have brought me up my soul, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. Now that word is maybe unfamiliar to some of you it's It's a word used often in the Old Testament to refer to the afterlife in a negative sense, uh, the grave uh, 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 hell, the afterlife um, it, it's not clearly defined, it's a little bit ambiguous because it reflects the understanding in the Old Testament of the afterlife. There wasn't a real clear understanding of what the afterlife was like, and and the word Sheol sort of reflects that ambiguity and the mystery surrounding it. Um, But that kind of ambiguity and mystery instills David with with fear and concern. You restored me to life, finishing verse 3, from among those who go down to the pit, which is another way to talk about Sheol. Now, That thanksgiving that he's calling, uh, that that he's beginning to discuss, is on the basis of a testimony. And we're going to pull out the pieces of his testimony in this chapter. Verse 4 Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger, God's anger, is but for a moment, uh, and his favor is for a lifetime. Now, the anger would probably be David's interpretation of why he was sick, why he had this physical ailment. Um, he viewed it as God's judgment upon him, and this is a kind of a sticky thing. You know, a lot of us, when we're sick or something bad happens to us, we have a tendency to want to say, well, God's punishing me for what, has gone, what I've done, uh, and, and this is the outworkings of that. And, 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 we, and, and David talks a little bit like that here, and, and, and I think, you know, if you really read the Bible carefully, there are instances where that's the case, where there's a direct correlation between what we struggle with and, and, and the suffering that we go under, uh, which is a repercussion of our sin, Um, But the punishment, we know, is always taken into Jesus Christ. And we know, too, that a lot of the brokenness and the suffering that we encounter is merely the result of a broken, fallen world, which does go back to sin originally, but may not be something that we can sort of tie to a particular thing that we have done. Uh, And so there's a a distinction there we have to be careful of. Uh, We we can't just say, well, this is happening to me because I did this. Um, The world is broken and falling apart. And, and, and that's why suffering occurs and there's sickness. And we don't always know what brings, these things, what brings these things up. But we do know what follows in this verse. Weeping may tarry for a night. Uh, the image of weeping is kind of like it, it arrives in the evening like a house guest. But joy comes with the morning. There are seasons to our weeping and our joy. And then we get a little bit more testimony on what's going on. Why David is, is offering this tremendous thanksgiving. As for me, I said in my prosperity... Now, David's a king of Israel. He's got everything. He's wealthy. He's he's in charge. He said in that state, in his prosperity, I shall never be moved. There's kind of a careless confidence and self-dependency that's in that phrase. It's forgetting the next verse. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountains stand strong. His wealth, his kingdom, uh, anything that he has, his status is not because of his own ability or skill. It's ultimately because of God. And he seems to have forgotten that. And so he makes this statement, I shall never be moved. This sort of careless confidence, this self-sufficiency. But that went away because of this illness. And the second part of verse 7, you hid your face. I was dismayed. One of the commentators I was studying on this chapter writes this, In the context of the Hebrew covenant, self-confidence could be one of the most fundamental sins, for it assumed that health and prosperity were a consequence of human achievement rather than the gift of the God of the covenant. Then we get this window into the very sort of inner chamber of his struggle, when he's at the lowest point and he's in his illness, and he, he doesn't know where to go. Verse 8, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. And I love this verse 9. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? He's talking to God. Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? It's a very shrewd prayer. Lord, why, why let me die? Because I can't praise you if I'm dust. So keep me alive merely so that I can, I can praise you. Uh, you... You know, it's better, trust me, Lord. It's better for you if you keep me alive. Um, he's, he's, he's selling to it to God. I love this prayer. Very shrewd. Verse 10, hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. And then verse 11. We kind of uh, uh, telescope back out and you get a sense of, of the picture of what's happened. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth. Sackcloth would be garb that you would wear uh, in times of sorrow, or uh, if you were uh, you were in a repentant state, you would wear sackcloth um, and clothed me with gladness. so the sorrow the clothing of sorrow has been has been changed to the clothing of gladness that my glory may sing your praise and and the glory there could refer to the soul of the person because The glory of the human being is that God has endowed us with a soul and made us in his image so that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So David has become very self-confident, self-dependent, self-sufficient. He became sick to the point of death. In the middle of that sickness, he cried out to the Lord for salvation, that God would have mercy on him. He confessed... His, his self-dependency. He recognized that anything that he has is ultimately from God. He came back to kind of the center, uh, to his true north, and God restored him uh, out of that to his rightful place and, and, and brought healing to him physically and loosed him from uh, the chains, the depth of his struggle and his suffering. And the end result of that is that he's calling the people to join him in giving thanks to God. Verse 4, Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. Now I want to talk this morning just briefly about giving thanks. And there are three things for us to focus on from this text about, that have to do with giving thanks. The first one is simply this, that giving thanks is of our high, it's part of our highest calling in life. If giving thanks is a form of worship, We know that worship is what we were made to do. Then giving thanks is part of the highest calling of what it means to be a human being. And again, go back to that verse 9. I love that verse 9. The most compelling reason that David gives for God not to let him go down to Sheol, to die, to go into the pit, is because if he's still alive, he can sing his praises. If David's still alive, he can sing God's praises. It's the most compelling reason. It's what we were made to do, to sing God's praises. And he says, you know, can the dust praise you if I die? And actually, I think the dust can praise, or at least the rocks can. You go into the New Testament when Jesus is entering in, remember, to Jerusalem. And uh, everybody's crying out and praising. And he says, if the people don't cry out, the rocks will. And, And so the dust could. But there is something special about the praise of a human being. The intellectual capacity that we have as a result of being made in the image of God. uh, The soul in us. All of this makes our praise to God of the highest magnitude in all of creation. And so David has this point. If I die, if I become dust, you will lose one of your best worshipers. The man created in your image. Given over to your praises. Now... When we say this, we say this a lot, that we were made to worship God. I had this sense that for a lot of us, we kind of sit there and we go, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to say. We were made to worship God. That's what my highest calling is. But I don't really get that. Is that how does that actually work? How is it that I was created to worship God? It sounds a little strange because actually I spend most of my life doing what seems like other things. And if you're new to the faith and you're just sort of stepping in and, and, and you haven't even been to a church before, um, you know, you may feel like this worship, standing here and singing and praying and, and listening, this is strange to me. It's foreign. I haven't experienced this in my life in any way. So, how can you stand there? What does it mean to say that we were made to worship God? I think the answer to that question in, involves our getting the framework of what God is doing in the world. The overarching framework. God made this world in the very beginning to celebrate, to share His goodness and His glory and His wisdom. The whole idea is that God, uh, out of His own uh, self-sufficiency, decided to create something that would become like a mirror and reflect back His glory and goodness. And in the process of doing so, the, 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 the creation, all parts of it, would find its, its highest glory and excellence in reflecting back the glory of God. So creation, this world that God has made, is moving uh, like a river flowing towards the praise and the glory of God. I know it doesn't seem like that sometimes because it's broken because of sin. And there's the decay, and there's problems, and there's suffering. But ultimately... God is navigating, He's carrying His creation towards its ultimate uh, goal, which is to bring Him glory, to declare His excellency. And for us as human beings, we have a choice to jump into that flow, to connect with all that God has made that's, that's there for His praise, or to step away from it to jump into to the, to the purposes of God's created order or to back away. When I was uh, in early teens, I went to my first concert at UC San Diego. It was Madness. It's a ska band. Uh, and, and some of you are excited about that, but most of you have no idea who that is. And uh, I, was, I was about uh, 13 or something. I was a little small guy, uh, you know, weighed 90-something pounds. And I'm standing in the back of this gym, and it's packed with people... And i want to be in the flow of it but i can't because i'm in the very back and i'm too small and i can't see over the people i can barely see the stage and this guy standing next to me says why don't you get on my shoulders so i get on his shoulders and all of a sudden i can see i'm connecting into this thing and he's standing there for a little while but he trips and this is this is standing room only in the gym and so he trips and where am i going to go but on top of the crowd right and so uh everybody reaches up their hands and they start passing me around, and I'm in the gym, and I started on one side of the gym, and I ended up all the way on the other side of the gym doing this huge crowd dive. So I went from like the kid who was in the back who was totally you know, apart from everything that was going on to the kid who was like the center of attention as they were passing me, and I was in the flow, right? Worship is a little bit like that. We, we can stand out on the edge of what, where this world is going and, and, and sort of just step back or we can jump into what God has intended for us and for this world to become, which is a mechanism for the the singing of the glory of Him. And when we jump into that, we we find our true calling and our true life. And for those of you still for whom that sounds a little strange, just, just dip your toe in, begin to worship, and I think that you will find that somewhere deep inside of you is a yearning to praise God because this is what we were made for. And as you explore that yearning and give it voice, then you will begin to become more comfortable with your highest calling, which is to give praise. Now, of all the forms of worship, I would say that thanksgiving is one of the easiest. It's one of the easiest forms of worship. All it requires of us is that we identify what is good and we give credit to God. It's one of the simplest things we can do to praise Him. And we can do this with the smallest things, or maybe not small, but the things that we take for granted. For example, um, I have breath in my lungs. I think we said that earlier this morning. There's breath in my lungs. Praise God. Thank you, God, for putting breath in my lungs. Or for the more maybe miraculous things or unusual things like like this moment. I mean, for Sarah to be uh, raised in that kind of a setting and to have her identity shattered in that way and then... Uh, For God to intervene so powerfully and use Guy to speak into her life and say that at your worst, it's not that you've shamed me. That's when I want to draw close to you. And for Guy to marry you. What a a beautiful overturning. It's a picture of God's redemptive work. And it, it lends us, it lends to thanksgiving and praise. So for the small things and the big things, um, we we give praise. It's our highest calling to give praise. Point number two, giving thanks. Life is full of seasons. We learn that from David here. Giving thanks is our highest calling, and life is full of seasons. David experiences some ups and some downs in this. Um, He's the king. He's got everything. His, His mountain is strong. Uh, but he's at the point of losing it all at a certain point uh, because of sickness. And then God heals him and he, he comes back. up. this, this is up and down. There's this seasonal aspect to it. There's the morning and the evening, as the text says. And we experience that too in life. We have evenings, seasons where it's difficult and it's challenging. And, we're down. and we have mornings, uh, seasons where God's uh, intervention is so clear and we, we celebrate and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And we need to know that, that part of Thanksgiving is navigating through those seasons up and down. And some of those seasons might be short. Maybe we're, we're down for a little while and, and God intervenes. Or, or some of them might be really long. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I've seen people where for the entire time that I've known them, it seems like they've been in a low point, in a dark season, in a struggle. And, and then I've seen people where it just seems like they just jump from one cloud to the next and everything goes well and they're always in a, in a positive season of life. And, and, and you ask, why does that happen? And, and I don't know. I don't know why that happens. But I do know a couple of things. That is that we're supposed to give thanks in all seasons. We're supposed to find a way to give thanks in all seasons. And I do know this about seasons, that in the last season it will always be up for the person who is in Christ. The last season will always be up for the person who is in Christ. This is is the story of God in the world. This is the gospel that in this this world that's broken and fallen, God has entered in and He's entered into the brokenness and He's taken sin upon Himself so that the judgment which is going to come does not need to fall on the human being, but it could fall on Jesus Christ, so the relationship can be restored. And God is in the process of of bringing about this season in which there will be glory eternally. And in Christ, we have the opportunity to be a part of that season. And the weight of that season is much heavier than the weight of the current season that we're in. It's an eternal season that we look forward to. In the end it's always up for the person who's in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4:17 For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. John 16:20 20 through 22 Truly truly I say to you you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Jesus telling his disciples about his return. And it applies to us as well. I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. We have seasons but the last one's always up. The last one's always filled with thanksgiving. That's where we're headed and when we get there all these other seasons are going to as it says pale in comparison by weight. It's like you you take the weight of eternity and glory and you put it on the scale and it's just heavy and the weight of the transient life that we have in this world, and you put it on the scale, it it doesn't weigh. It doesn't compare to the weight of glory. Our life is full of seasons, and the last one is always up. And the other thing about the seasons is this, is that God won't give us more in the down season than we can handle with His help, depending on Him. And some of you may really need to hear this this morning because you are in the evening season and you are broken and you are hurting and it is going on for a long time and you are suffering and you don't know what, when it's going to turn up. And you need to be reminded this morning that in that season, God will not give you more than you can handle. Isaiah 42.3, this is not my idea, it's God's idea. Um, speaking about Jesus Christ and his ministry to us, a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. And you may, you may feel like that faintly burning wick this morning. Um, and you need these words to know that God will not let you so deep in the pit that you are beyond His grasp and His reach. 1 Corinthians 10.13, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And that applies to the temptation to despair as well. The temptation to despair. We can be pulled out of it in Christ. Some of us are in the up season right now. Some of us are in a down season. Usually, I think in life, I I look at my life and there's sort of a combination going on there. And the message for us this morning is that in any season, give thanks. In all seasons. In the up season, channel your enthusiasm, your excitement into thanksgiving. That's where David went wrong, right? In the up season, he channeled it back into himself and took the glory upon himself and said, I've gotten myself where I am. I have confidence in myself. He channeled it in the wrong way. In the up season, give thanks. Acknowledge that whatever it is that we have is from God. He put the very breath in our lungs, and so everything beyond that is from Him. And in the down season, it helps to balance out the struggles when we we count our blessings. This is something, a discipline that I have been working on very hard. It's so important for me, I find, uh, to counterbalance the negative with thanksgiving. And if I just sit there sometimes at my desk and I feel myself going down that path of, of, of counting what's wrong and what's not good, and if I bring into that a, a conversation of what I have to be thankful for, starting with breath in my lungs, it, it, it serves as a counterbalance to that tendency. And it's a powerful spiritual discipline. And it strikes at something uh, deeper that we're going to get into at the very end here. But um, before we do that, Uh, Let me just say this. The third lesson that we get about thanksgiving from David here is that we need to be inviting others to join in our thanksgiving with us. Invite others to join in our thanksgiving. That's what he does in verse 4. Sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. He's calling the people. He wants all the others to be singing the praises based on the testimony that he's given. Now, how do we do that? How do we invite others into our thanksgiving? That's the question. And David gives us a wonderful example here. The first thing he demonstrates for us is that doing so requires openness on our part. Or some people like to call it transparency or vulnerability on our part. Inviting people into thanksgiving requires that we be open, vulnerable, and transparent with others. I don't want you to miss how remarkable it is here that David the king is revealing the inner workings of his soul to the entire nation. Now, usually when you go up the pecking order and you get higher on the status pole, you're less likely to share your weakness and your struggle. You're, you're less likely to be forthcoming about uh, where you fall short or where your suffering is. Um, you want to maintain that sense of, of, uh, of strength. Um, can you imagine one of David's enemies reading this? This guy's... He's weak, right? Because he's not depending on himself, he's depending on God, he's able to be vulnerable about his own weakness. You can't praise God unless you first understand the pit. You you can't understand the goodness of God and the, the redemptive power of God unless we understand where we came from and the depths of it. And David understands that and so he brings forth uh, just in all clarity, uh, just how broken he is and this deep, the depth of his struggle. Uh, and he brings out the, the hard bits. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to, to the Lord, I plead for mercy. And, you know, to be calling out to God, what profit is there in my death? If I go into the pit, I can't praise you anymore. Uh, to be revealing that. It's remarkable that the King of Israel would be so transparent. But it's absolutely necessary to bringing others in to his praise. And the other thing we need uh, to be able to bring others into our thanksgiving, besides transparency, is we need family. It's kind of basic. I mean, David's writing this to the people of Israel. They're to sing it in corporate gathering together. Um, we need that too. We need, we need family to be able to, to share what's going on. And, and so when we gather together in worship and and we're going to do this thing on the first Sunday of every month. We're going to have somebody share their testimony from here on out so that, so that we, can, we can enter into the thanksgiving of another and celebrate with them. And so thank you, Sarah, for, for kind of leading that off. Um, but we also do this regularly in home group. It's why we keep hitting the importance of home group and that community. very important for us to be gathering together so that we can tell these stories, so that we can share what's going on in our lives. When we go on vacations, my wife always makes the kids take a journal. And when we stop from, at one place or the other, she'll make them write down, you know, if we go to a historical place, write down, okay, here's where we went on this day, and here's what we did, and, you know, uh, staple the ticket from the museum in there. And, you know, they, sometimes they, they complain, you know, as it's going, like, do I really have to do, this? Do I have to do this? And then a year later, they'll pull out that journal. And they'll be like, Oh, I'm so glad I have this journal. I'll go through and just relive all the experiences that we had on that particular vacation, and, and, and the reminder of each one. Go, oh, do you remember this? We say we talk, do You remember we did this and we did this, and it, it's a way to enjoy it all over again. Well, the same thing happens in our spiritual journey with God, and as a family, we share what God is doing in our lives, healing the broken bits. Bringing redemption where there's loss, connecting our identity to His identity, all the things that He does, saving us, all this that He does, we 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 journal this together as a community when we tell stories, and we talk about it, and we we give Him the glory. And then lastly, um, inviting others into our Thanksgiving requires that we we focus it on God. Um, you could tell a story about your life that's about you, or you can tell a story about your life that's about God, right? I appreciate the way Sarah really did that this morning. And that's what we want to do. So we, want to, we want to tell stories about God that involve us. We've used this uh, example a couple of times. Um, there's God's story and there's my story. And what we're doing in this, in this walk with Jesus Christ is we're learning to place our story within the overarching story of God and the redemption of Jesus Christ. That's what we're learning to do, and as we practice that in community together, we see more profoundly the work of God in our lives, and that results in praise, and bringing honor and glory to God. Now, I said a little bit earlier, I just want to finish up with this thought. I said a little bit earlier, I think sometimes with Thanksgiving, we think, um, yeah, you know, it's it's, it's one of those things, it's kind of like the icing on the cake. You You know, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you should... You should do this, you should, and you should be thankful. You know? But if you don't get the thankful thing, that's okay. Um, you know, get to the other stuff that's more important. Thanksgiving is, is sort of like the icing on the cake. It's, it's sort of a, you know, something, if we get to it, that's good. I really think, in studying this this week, I think Thanksgiving strikes so much more deeply to the core of the gospel. And it's why we really need to grapple with what David uh, portrays here. I was listening to the radio this week, and there was a story about a guy who died uh, a young young adult in his 20s, I think, and he, and he passed away uh, prematurely, obviously. And uh, his last wish was uh, kind of strange. He said, uh, give people big tips, like $500 tips in my honor. And so his brother picked up on this, and they got some money together, and they went to uh, a restaurant and, and gave this woman a $500 tip, the waitress, and of course she was blown away, and they interviewed this woman, and you know, when she got it, she had to go to the back room and like collect herself, because she was just crying, and and, and, and then they started a little blog about that and people started giving money uh, to this to give the $500, to give more tips, $500 tips. And like within a few days, they had $11,000 and then, you know, then it was up to $52,000. And so they were going to go out and give these, these $500 tips to people. And, and, and you think, well, why did, was this this last guy's wish? Well, earlier when he was alive, he had a waitress who was grumpy and rude. And he decided... To give her a $50 tip. He gave her a $50 tip and it just changed her completely, changed her attitude completely. And when I heard him say that, uh, I thought to myself, that's the gospel. That's how God works in our lives. He comes to us, He gives us all the blessings in Christ. He saves us, He adopts us, He seals up our inheritance in heaven. And the power of that is then to change us. He doesn't expect us to change before he blesses us and comes to us. That's the gospel that God has initiated and come to us in Christ first to bring about transformation. And it has a change just like that waitress when she got a $50 tip. It just changed her. And so he wanted more people to go out and change other people. But here's what I have to say about that is that Thanksgiving is a way to tap back into that reality. When you practice thanksgiving, you are reminding yourself of what God has done already in your life. And then it has that transformative power because the gospel just does that. The gospel changes us. It transforms us. Thanksgiving is a way to tap into it. Have you ever been with somebody who's, who's on uh, like a, you know, their last legs of cancer or something, and, and they're in the hospital, and they have that little, that little clicker in their hand because they're suffering in pain. And, and every time the pain comes up, they push the button and a little bit more medicine. They get a dosage of the medicine to, to ease the pain. Thanksgiving is, is, is like that. It's a dosage of the gospel back into our lives as we walk through. It's a discipline that we do. When, when I was preparing to cycle down to uh, San Diego last year, one of my problems when I started doing the longer rides was that I was terrible at hydration. I would would go strong and all of a sudden I would crash because I didn't know how to hydrate myself. And so I would bonk and I wouldn't be able to finish the long ride, the practice ride that I was trying to do. And so talking to some people, teaching me how to do this, I learned that what I need to do and what a lot of people need to do is every 15 minutes I need to take a a little drink. And when I do that, I was able to go 100 miles, and then the next day 100 miles, because I need that every 15 minutes. If I stopped doing that, then I would bonk and crash and couldn't go any farther. It's no different in the spiritual life. We need the the gospel continually. We need to be reminded of it. And Thanksgiving, the praise of Thanksgiving, is one of the ways that we just sort of, we click the dosage or we take a drink we hydrate ourselves, we remind ourselves that God has led in his uh, blessing on us, and we respond out of that. So I want to ask us to follow David this morning. This is why we become a people of thanksgiving, because it's not, um, it's not something that's just sort of on the side, it's core to what it means to follow Christ. So would you pray with me? God, um, we ask that as a people following you, you would help us in the area of gratitude and thanksgiving. Help us to tell the stories, to be open with each other, to be frank about our struggles in home groups and in worship, as we talk during our meet and greet time, as we talk afterwards, as we do life together. Make us open and vulnerable and transparent to one another. But make our stories about you, first and foremost about the work you're doing in us, about the good work that you're bringing to completion because of your promises. Lord, reveal to us again the strength of the gospel to bring about transformation as we remind ourselves day in and day out of its glory. Make us thankful in the seasons that are are down. Help us to count the blessings. And the seasons when we're up help us to give you the glory and not attribute anything good to ourselves. And ultimately, help us to see how Thanksgiving is of the highest calling of what it means to be a human being. Because it's worship. It's worshiping you. Help us to jump into the, the flow of this world you've created, this world that every flower, every rock, every mountain, every sunrise, every intended goal for each human being is that we would be praising you and giving you glory. Help us by being thankful to jump into that flow, to give you glory now, and to become who you've called us to become as a result. We pray all this in Christ's name.